Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Wester Tiger today, joined by Jimmy Sirfoss. Jimmy uh, has been an intern on BuffStampede.com. If you're a subscriber, you've seen some of his great work. Started helping out with the Spring Showcase and has done some cool features here early on, starting with some stuff during camp. Uh, Jimmy, welcome into the podcast. Uh, tell folks a little bit about yourself. Well, hi, thank you for having me on. I've really appreciated this whole internship opportunity. I uh, came up from Texas, from Dallas area, came up to see you. Uh, I'm a see you right now. I'm a journalism major, just trying to get some work on and on the resume so I can get recognized a little bit. Awesome. And uh, you've done great work so far. Usually when I take on an internship, it, it ends up being more work for me, but you've been sending in clean copy and, and uh, you have a really bright future in this. So keep at it and, and definitely excited to have your contributions and have you on the podcast. Before we get into the negativity, which is the CU football program, let's chat about your experiences going out to a couple high school football games here recently. You've got a chance to check out Hank Zelinskis, who is an offensive line commit for the Buffs in the 2023 class from Cherry Creek. And then you were out at Regis Jesuits game on Friday to see Andrew Metzger. How, how were those experiences for you? Well, first of all, I, it's like uh, the football gods know I'm coming out because it just makes the weather just so terrible for me. <laughs> there, it's been rainy every single time I've been out uh, the last two times. Um, but the Regis Jesuit game was a lot of fun uh, this last uh, this last week. Um, that kid down there is a big, he's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he got up there. He really showed that, uh, athletic ability. He, he's like really tall. He's uh, good with his hands, had a really good experience there. And then uh, a few weeks beforehand, um, over at the Cherry Creek game, that, that kid was really good too. There was a, uh, there was a really good atmosphere there, uh, too, especially with the coaching staff down at Cherry Creek. You can definitely tell that they know what they're doing when it comes to developing their players. Heck, they've had crazy good prospects and I'm excited for one that CU's getting. It almost feels with Cherry Creek, it's kind of an all-star coaching staff and an oh, all-star yeah. team going up against regular high school teams. It almost doesn't seem fair, right? Heck, they were they were, they were saying uh, they were traveling around the country going to play teams. They played, uh, played a team in Ohio after uh, the game that I was at. You don't see that often. No. So Andrew Metzger, the tight end <clears throat> at Regis, he picked up Michigan State, which, uh, you know, obviously CU fans don't think too kindly <laughs> of them right now. What what's the situation with him? Does he seem pretty solid with CU, or is this a kid that might be looking around? No, he's committed. He seems really solid. He reassured me a lot that he is one hundred percent on board with uh, the Buffaloes. He likes the way the team's trajectorying and uh, the way it's looking at the moment. Okay, and uh, going out to Creek, they've got a lot of offensive linemen that CU is looking at. Mentioned Zelinskis, who's committed to them in the twenty twenty three class, and then three other offensive line prospects in the 2024 class that have got a CU offer. It's too early, I guess, to probably project how CU's chances look with each of them. And, and I know after high school games, it's everybody's scrambling. It's hard to get interviews and everything. Uh, did, did those kids, those other offensive linemen around Hank Zelenskis look like division one kids? Yeah, there's some big kids over there. Um, a lot of big boys on that line. Um, and I feel like, you know, uh, Zelenskis is going to do what he can to, you know, uh, you know, push them one way or another, but um, it is up to them. He said uh, it is really early on, but there was a lot of promise on that line. They, that rushing game was pretty much doing what it wanted. The game that I was at quarterback did not really get touched much um, when I, from what I saw, but there, there is, there's some athletic talent on that team. 
school and, and CU's offered a 2024 linebacker at Cherry Creek, Angelo Petrides as well. So uh, I guess that's as much delaying as we can do before we got to get into uh, the topic at hand here. And that's uh, Colorado's loss to Air Force. A miserable day weather-wise down at the Air Force Academy, and it, it turned into a miserable day for the Buffs. You were down there. I was in the press box. You were having to brave the elements out there in the stands, right? Yeah, that was not a good time <laughs> as a fan. It was tough. Uh, I mean, there was a good amount of CU fans there, at least, um, just so I wasn't, you know, getting too surrounded by blue. I mean, I mean, the Air Force fans were pretty when well, they weren't really bad or anything when it comes to chance or nothing like that. But I would, I mean, even the aspects of the game that, you know, you go there for like a flyover or, uh, you yeah. know, the people like parachuting onto the field, it just was bad from the very start. <laughs> um, but uh, then the football started and it what didn't get much better. <laughs> I even noticed I, game JT Shroud was kind of struggling with his accuracy and it makes it hard to, determine how much of his struggles had to do with the weather. Certainly that played into it somewhat because even Air Force, the few times they seemed to throw the ball, it was tough for them to do anything through the air as well. Uh, but more than that, it was uh, a game of missed opportunities, much like the first half of, of CU's opener against TCU. You look at the third quarter being the the time period in which CU really failed to capitalize on an opportunity to, to make this either a close game or a CU win. The bus first three series in the second half started at the Air Force 13, the Air Force 40, and the Colorado 49, so basically midfield. How many points did they get out of that, Jimmy? Zero. And it, it just starting off that game, just the way it did start is such a demoralizing factor. I, I thought about like the uh, that old Broncos Super Bowl when – you know, they started off like it was against the Seahawks and Peyton Manning just had that spike go over his head. Similar to that, and just takes the air out of you, takes the wind out of your sails. And that's as a fan. I can't even imagine as a, you know, as a player, because this was kind of looked at to me as like a, all right, we got to get things going now. This is our reset. This is us, you know, getting that offense back in motion and just starting it off with two plays and already down seven. It's just not, it's not a good way to, you know, get this thing going the way you want it to be going talked about the missed opportunities in, in the third quarter. The, the Buffs ended up getting outscored 21-0 in the second half on Saturday. And that's after they allowed TCU to score 31 unanswered second half points back in the opener on September 2nd. So clearly second half adjustments have not gone well for the Buffaloes so far this season. And oftentimes, Jimmy, that's the mark of a good coaching staff. And, and as a result of that, a, a successful team. How alarming is it to you that we've got two games in and both times the, the second half adjustments have not gone Colorado's way and, and the other team's been able to adjust it and make more plays as a result? That's a, that is extremely alarming, um, especially at the end of this half, uh, the first half, because they kind of looked like the running game was getting to going and things like that, and they just could not capitalize on opportunities that they had. Um, standing, Getting out, he just got out coached uh, multiple times. It, it does come down to coaching. This is supposed to be this new coaching staff that's supposed to bring a whole lot of new looks and things like that and ideas. And it's just, it's a lot of the same. Uh, it's becoming predictable. And, you know, other people are picking up on that and it, they're exploiting it. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to lose. And, and folks are going to be upset and frustrated when you lose, no matter how that looks. 
But what puts the frustration on steroids is when, A, you're not scoring points, and B, you're having trouble with second half adjustments. I think it would be easier to stomach a little bit of this if and maintain some semblance of optimism if your team is kind of storming back late and, and coming up just short. You know, they're starting out slowly and you go, well, all we need to do is to fix how we're starting games. And that seems like an easier fix. When you're having trouble in the second half of games, getting beat 21 nothing against Air Force in the second half and having the other team score 31 unanswered, like what happened in the TCU game, that makes it even more frustrating as a fan. I mean, I give credit to the CU fans that are still tuning into this team right now. And it's tough because going into halftime, these games are, you know, the last two have been close. And I mean, even I could, you know, the score was one thing in this TCU game in the first half, but the stats were another thing. We were, you know, dominating that ball in the TCU game. They were uh, pretty much at half of everything we had, but we were down. You know, they made one mistake on special teams. It's just tough getting out coached because you can see the talent on the field, something like make plays. I don't think the defense is as rough as, you know, the, the scoreboard makes it look. It's just tough when you can't make the adjustments needed. Brennan Lewis's QBR game was 39.6. Shrout's QBR is 13.8 after two games. Every other quarterback that starts in the Pac-12 has a QBR of 43.6 or better, and a majority of the starting quarterbacks in the conference have a QBR better than 70. So that just, I think, illustrates a little bit about just how poor the quarterback play has been through two games. And then, uh, obviously, you go back to last year and among the worst quarterback play in the country. The weather was a factor, no question. It was miserable out there at the Air Force Academy yesterday. But I'm still shocked at how poorly Shroud threw the ball. I, I figured he would go out there, make some mistakes. I didn't necessarily expect him to fumble the ball in the second play of the game and lose it the way he did. But I, I expected him to take some chances and, and turn the ball over a few times. But I didn't expect him to miss on some of the easier throws throughout the game. That, that part really surprised me. I do want to see him start a football game with good weather and have that for a comparison's sake. But I really expected more out of him. I, I knew, I mean, I saw him practice a few times. He did have some uh, target, like some accuracy, maybe issues here and there. I Same thing as you, I would have expected him to come out and have some mistakes. But there were just some things that did worry me a little bit. Um, a lot of those passes were either, you know, high or, uh, you know, behind the receiver, things like that. Uh, I don't really understand the glove situation regarding that. It might've been a factor. Um, but there were some things like, you know, the slide where he held up a little bit at the thing. And, uh, early in the game when he, you know, fumbled the ball, I didn't see him die for it. That's just, uh, he kind of backed off a little bit. I could have been, you know, trying to preserve himself, but I would have liked to see a little more fight. Um, going into that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see a fair weather game. I'd like to see him get a few more chances. You know, we gave Brendan Lewis a lot of chances last yeah. year. So I would like to see him have some more chances. And in the end, this is all stuff that should have been figured out, you know, before the season started, you know, you should not, these are questions that should have been answered way before we reach this point in the season. If you could take the best qualities from JT and the best qualities from Brennan, you might have a good quarterback, but you can't do that, right? So <laughs> you're stuck in a situation where that position might be unsettled throughout the season. It's hard to envision that getting settled anytime soon. 
you mentioned that Shroud's passes were off throughout the game. So only five of his 21 pass attempts were caught. Now, some of those other ones were on the hands of CU players. Like you said, they kind of thrown behind them or, or not in the exact spot that you would want to place it as a quarterback. How many do you think of those, what is that, 16 incompletions do you think should have been caught by CU's pass catchers? I think a few of them. I think a lot more than were caught, where it definitely should have been um you know, hauled in there. I mean, I think his reception or his, his interception, I feel like could have been caught. Um, it was a little high went off his hands, but I don't know if that was entirely his fault. Receivers. I feel like should have hauled in a little more. There was some just blatant wide open receivers that dropped the ball. I just can't happen. We're going to play some audio here from Carl Durrell, a very cramped press conference, Jimmy, there was, I want to guess about, 20 of us basically doing this in a closet. I hope nobody had COVID in that group because it was, we were on top of each other for a good 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But this is what Carl Durrell had to say after the game. And he did mention Owen McCown and Drew Carter in here. After two tough losses, do you have any concerns about discouragement setting in with the fellas? Discouragement setting in. I'm sure they are discouraged right now. They are. I just had a great talk with them though, and they're 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 willing to fight. Uh, they want to fight. They want to get better. They they didn't feel like they played. You know, I, it's almost like I'm. It's like a, the same story I keep talking about right now. I'm tired of really talking about it. We need to put our. We need to put it out front and play. And we need to coach better. We need to play better. So um, there's there's no there's no. Uh, there's no easy way to say it other than you got to work harder to get better. You know, that's really where we're at. Carlo, are the people here, are the right people here to write a different story? What's been going on here? Are the right people here to write a different story? What, what do you mean? You mentioned it's the same story every week for you guys. Are the right people here at Colorado, players, coaches, to no, change I'm, things? No, I say that the, in terms of the same story about our inefficiencies. Right. You know, it's been two weeks in a row now. So that's what I Now you're saying, are the right people here to get that fixed? Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. We just, it hasn't hit home yet. You know, and sometimes with younger players, it takes a little bit of time. But, you know, I don't like to use that excuse. I really don't. You know, they play football in high school. Um, they're playing in college. Um, you know, it's the same game. So it's, the talent's a little higher. You know, it's a bigger, bigger level. But we, we got to play better. You know, bottom line, we ain't, we're not playing well. And we've had good practices, but that hasn't translated to, to what it should look like on Saturdays. So we'll get better. Carl, you said during the week there was a good possibility both quarterbacks would play today. Obviously, you rode with JT. Uh, even as the game went on, he was struggling a little bit. Why did you decide to, to ride I just, him out? I just did. I just My gut told me to keep him in there because he hasn't played. He needs work. You know, he didn't – He didn't play, obviously, he didn't play as, as well as he expected himself to play. And, and you know, he needs, he needs a lot of work, you know, and I think that was really the right thing to do was just to keep grinding on him just so we can get a, a good evaluation about what we think he is, you know, so we'll get a chance to visit and watch on the tape and, you know, visit about what we do moving forward. But that was something that I felt strongly about. I, Mike did ask me, to, did we want to make a change at some point in the second half? I said, you know, let's keep him in and let's just keep grinding with him. Because he's got to play. He hasn't played in two years, and he needs to learn how to play again. At this point, do you see it as kind of a week-to-week competition between those guys, or where do you go? Oh, from absolutely, here? it is. I mean, it is. He hasn't proven anything to think that he's the guy. So you know, we have to continue to develop that position, 
and 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 not it, you know maybe we need to look at some of these younger guys too so younger than our younger guys so i mean it's what it is but it's a challenge right now that i think we're we're, we're we need we need a spark i think the, the weather played a factor for sure but you know both our quarterbacks you know we have a third nolan mccown too so we're and drew carter so we're, we're going to have to really continue to kind of find you know find somebody that can give us a spark uh, so we're going to continue to work on on that position as well. All right, that was Carl Drill after their loss to Air Force. He's clearly not happy with the quarterback position. And he's also, I did like when he said, you know, look, I'm sick of talking about it. We talked about how much better we are all off season leading up to the season. And we're not showing that. No matter what a coach says after a loss, especially when you're 0-2, fans are going to hate what you say. I, I didn't hate what Carl Durrell said post-game. He did mention the youth, but he did say, I don't want to use that as an excuse. These guys need to step up and, and play better. Um, so I really didn't have any issue with what he said, but I did find it interesting that Owen McCown and Drew Carter made their way into his comments there. I think he said all the right things. I think he says what you know a coach is supposed to say after a loss like that, and it's been really frustrating. Unfortunately, we have to talk about it um, when things aren't getting fixed. I know you were really big on Owen McCown, and I honestly like what I see from him a lot. I still think he's a little far off, though, um, just development-wise, uh, things like that. I wouldn't mind seeing Drew Carter thrown in there every once in a while, maybe, just for a different look. I, I just see the, a big problem with you know cycling all these quarterbacks between JT and uh, Lewis is just that they have completely different playing styles. These are two completely different guys, and it, it's got to be tough on an offense – trying to shift, you know, from quarterback to quarterback, week to week, you can't really hone in on one thing. Um, but, you know, Owen's Owen's an interesting look. I Maybe just at, throw him at the end if we're ever getting blown up at some point. I'm sure it'll well, happen some point this year. It's too early for Owen McCallan at yeah. this point. I mean, two games in. And so when I said I thought it was interesting, he mentioned them. I, I don't think that either of those guys are necessarily going to play next week or the week after, but it does get interesting if you're one and seven or Oh, and eight or something like that going down the stretch, there's a four game red shirt rule. You could play Owen McCown in four games without burning his red shirt, which I think would be an option if they get to that point. CU has Owen McCown listed at six two one seventy five. What, what do you think he actually are his measurables it at this point? Doesn't look like one seventy five. Well, <laughs> I'm seeing, Six foot, uh, six foot, six one foot, 60. but definitely not six two. Uh, he looks a, like pretty much a head shorter than a lot of the guys out there. Um, definitely looks young, but um, he's exciting. He he makes the throws he needs to. At least we have that's what we've seen in practice. Uh, who knows, you know, because we saw a lot of good things in practice from other quarterbacks too. So we'll, who knows? Yeah, he's got some moxie to him, and that's what I like most about him. I know it's he hasn't been thrown into a game yet, but just in in his first college scrimmage the way he managed the offense was pretty cool but again I that that's a discussion maybe for for down the road but just trying to hang on to any any uh semblance of optimism at this point you know and that's one guy when you talk about the future of this program and hopefully he sticks around in Boulder for the buff's sake uh that, that's why I think I mentioned him just to kind of you know split up the negativity a little bit on this podcast the ground game was was going for a while there, especially in the second quarter. Deion Smith and Alex Fontenot both had a respectable 49 rushing yards at halftime. But you look at the final box and Deion Smith finished with 59 yards and Fontenot finished with 53. So 
those two guys go for 98 yards in the first half and then just 14 yards between them in the second half. Shrout sacked just once, but outside of the touchdown drive early in the second quarter, there, there weren't a ton of running lanes for those guys. And so the offensive line has gotten a little bit better from last year. The bar had been set pretty low last year. I wouldn't crucify that group, but certainly they need to keep getting better for the running back and quarterback play to, to have a chance to, to improve as well. I agree. Um, I think, you know, they did get some momentum going in the half, but I think like we talked about earlier, a lot of that is just, you know, making adjustments coaching wise. Um, we saw that they can run the ball. We saw that against TCU. Um, but, you know, it, it comes down to adjustments, you know, mixing in the run certain ways, which design runs we're going with. Um, it's, it's just, it gets down to the coaching for me. Uh, and that's just what it's going to be. Speaking of the offensive line, their leader, Casey Roddick, one of the team captains, had a passionate post-game meeting with the media. This is what he had to say. We've dealt with so much adversity. A lot of the seniors on this team have dealt with a lot of adversity. But what just happened in that locker room, the talk that we just had, this cannot happen again. Point blank and simple. This cannot happen again. For myself, from this offensive line, from this defensive line, and everybody else on that on that field, the taste in your mouth that's left after that, that's unacceptable. And we know that and we and we and we see that. We see how good we can be, but it's just not being taken onto the field on Saturdays. I mean you guys have been at practice. You see you see how dominant we can be. But for some reason it's just not it's just not coming over to Saturdays. So we'll it's going to get fixed. And we know that. From your eyes, what can fix things, you know, specifically offensively for you guys? Today was it was it was rough in general. I think that obviously with with how wet it was outside, we didn't get our passing efficiency wasn't up to par. The running standards weren't up to par. There there was just there was some head, heavy boxes. They were moving a lot, but that's no that's no excuse for for what happened. I think that offensively, you, there's little things that you can fix. Obviously, we're down at the goal line at the two, and we have a fumble. It's tough. It's deflating. If you get that, it's twenty. It's twenty to seventeen. They're still coming back in the game. Defense played their ass off. I want. I want to give a shout out to the defense. T. Lang, Sammy, Naeem, Josh Chandler, Rob. All those guys up in that front seven played their ass off. And to keep that game as close as it was, as long as they could. That's kudos to them. And you guys can see how great they are defensively when they need to be. When they need it. Offensively, we have a lot of stuff to fix. So we're excited for that for this next week. Casey, you mentioned about. You know, you're down 20 nothing in this game, and you guys fought back. You know, right. And you have that chance to go to 2017. When that fumble occurs, you mentioned it's deflating. I mean, did you see a, a difference on the sideline after that play? Not at all. I mean, we had to talk last night with this team. When you handle adversity, you ain't new to it. You're true to it. And so a lot of the guys, we've dealt with so much adversity greater than football to where if something happens on the field, you've already been through it. Might as well just keep going. That's the thing about it. I mean, yeah, it's deflating, but so what? Now what? Jimmy, that right there is why Casey Roddick's a captain on this team. A very short meeting with the media, but to the point. And, you know, if you had 11 Casey Roddick's with that attitude on both sides of the ball, this team is going to keep fighting and uh, have a chance to surprise some people. The question is, do, do they have enough of that passion that Casey Roddick displayed there on both sides of the ball? I, I sure hope so. <laughs> Um, it's, it's tough to hear that. Cause you know, it, you, they clearly 
like at least him, he wants it. He, they want it. And it's, it's probably just hard to believe, you know, um, just as a fan, you see, you hear all this and it's, we're going to make progress. They had that big meeting. Um, I would have loved to been a fly on the wall for that meeting just to hear what Carl had to say, because we don't really see him say much anytime, but it's, it's just, I believe that they're working hard and I believe it. I just need to see it on the field. And when things don't translate from practice onto the field, something's wrong somewhere. And uh, it just seems like they can't figure out what exactly is the issue. It's, it's just tough to believe that that big of a change will be made. Buffalo is ranked second to last among power five programs, only ahead of Iowa in scoring offense through two weeks. This is after last season when they ranked second to last in all of FBS in uh, offense. So rough offensive production dating back to the beginning of last year. Jimmy, if you're in charge of the quarterback situation going into week three against Minnesota, what are you doing? I'm going with Shroud again. I need to see more from him. I want to see, you know, some good conditions. Obviously you cannot blame conditions, you know, for that bad at performance. Um, but I need to see more from, I just want to see how he progresses. Um, we saw a lot of Lewis last year, like I said earlier, I want to see how he develops throughout a season. He has the talent. We've seen the talent there. There is no question that he can throw the ball. I just want to see how he uh, develops with the receivers. Cause he has a good receiving core around him. I really believe that, but I just need to see him get some more work in. Cole Becker is now three of three on the year in field goals has made 17 of his last 20 dating back to last season. All seven of his kickoffs this season have gone for a touchback. This kind of reminds me of all the way back in 2012 when CU's best player was a specialist, Darrow O'Neal. That, that's not good. Kudos to Cole Becker. He's been uh, automatic early on this season, but uh, not good when, when your few bright spots is the kicker, right? I agree with that. And honestly, I would love to see more of Cole Becker. I feel like there are some fourth downs when you're close enough, like in this last game where we were on like the 35, 30, we are down by two, it was 20 to 10. I see pick up a field goal, get within one score, you know, and that starts a whole new drive for them. It's not, they're not picking up on their, uh, their own 35 or wherever it was. And, you know, even earlier in the TCU game, I would have liked to see Cole Becker get the easy points to start off that game uh, when they were fourth down. I, I get the statement uh, they were trying to make with going for it for the touchdown, but I like getting points, uh, especially when the offense is struggling that bad to get anything on the board. I'd rather get some points, you know, crawl your way back rather than try to go for them, you know, the try to go for the touchdown every time. And one other guy that has stood out early on this season is Quinn Perry. He had 17 tackles against Air Force, and he's graded out significantly better than Josh Chandler Samito and Robert Barnes through two games. I think had you pulled diehard CU fans going into the season among those three, which one would struggle through two games, uh, I think most people would have picked Quinn Perry, and it's been the other way around. According to Pro Football Focus, Barnes has actually graded out as the worst CU player on either side of the ball through two games. He showed some signs of getting better as a linebacker last year, late in the season, but it's been rough watching him through two games this season. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the linebackers as a whole made a big step for this game, a uh, step forward, but yeah, Barnes, it's a, it's a bit disappointing. I mean, it's early still, so he has a lot of time to turn things around. Um, 
But Perry has been a nice bright spot on the team. I agree with that, especially a team that's very much missing Nate Landman. And if anything, just for the leadership of the team, uh, just someone to look for on defense that's reliable is a good person to have that you know can make a tackle when it's needed to. I'd like to see a little more from uh, Chandler Samito. He was a pretty big name coming in. I expected him to do a lot more than he has uh, been so far. Uh, I heard his name called a lot this a lot more this last game than I did the first game, which is a, you know a positive uh, step. But I still want to see them progress more, and I want more out of the linebackers. And beyond just the stats, when you watch Quinn Perry out there, you can tell he's one of the guys out there giving hundred. 100%. I almost said 110%. I hate when <laughs> athletes do that. Uh, but he's almost kind of a poor man's Nate Lamb. And I'm not calling him Nate Lamb, but he's kind of got that tenaciousness about him, I feel like, out on the field. It's fun to watch Quinn Perry play football. Yeah, he's mean. He, he's, he gets out there and gets it done. Uh, and he's someone, again, like you can look to that's going to be reliable. I, I really, you know, that's, that's somewhere, that's someone that's important to have, especially on a defense, especially on a team that's struggling, like having a Brady Russell and a Quinn Perry. Those are the two we, look to uh, as leaders on this team and they, you know, they fit the, they fit the mold. TC only gained 138 yards passing on 23 attempts in the opener. And then obviously air force between the fact that they don't really throw the ball. And when they did, I think the weather conditions played into a little bit there as well, but you know, the pass coverage has been good for CU with those young cornerbacks. Nico Reed's only given up 11 yards in pass coverage through two games Again, they haven't really been tested to the level that they will later in the season. But I don't know. Is it too premature to say that that could potentially be the strength of this defense? Whereas going into the season, we kind of expected the front seven to be more of the strength. I think it it might be a little early. I think it might be a little bit early to call that this is a strength for the defense. I think they've started off hot. I think we'll learn a lot this next week. Um, that they have a very, Minnesota has a very good rushing attack. Uh, you know. What does that say? They say it was a second in the nation. Um, but they have a they have a good passing game too. They have a good quarterback, they have a good set of uh receivers that have been there for a while. They've been they have they're established. We're gonna see how they you know play into that Minnesota uh offense, and I think we'll learn a lot there. But it is a little early. I, I want to see them play a little more. Jordan Tyson caught his first career touchdown in his first game with the buffs against TCU and then got his first start against Air Force. In that Air Force game, it was the first action for Aubrey Smith, a freshman linebacker, and Ben Finneseth, uh, a walk-on, got his first action as a buff on special teams. Mentioned Jordan Tyson, and he did get banged up late in the Air Force game. Isaiah Lewis got knocked out late in the first half, and then Alex Fontenot didn't seem right after he got hit on the goal line, which uh, maybe we should talk about that play as well. But Darrell didn't seem to believe any of those were significant injuries, which is important. Isaiah Lewis, you really can't afford to lose him for a long period of time. Against Air Force, maybe it wasn't as big a deal because, again, they're not going to try to stretch you defensively, but they need him out there going forward. So uh, hopefully what Darrell said after the game is correct, that it's nothing major. Uh, anything stand out to you in, in terms of what I just said there? I mean, Tyson had a couple drops, but he's got a really bright future. I, I think the hype is real with him. Um, and uh, Fontenot, that play – what a horrible play all, all the way around. No targeting, no touchdown, and he, and he got banged up. And it seemed like with the benefit of replay that they should have gotten that right. But uh, that, that's not the way it went. It was not the buff's day on, on many levels yesterday. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, I really like Jordan Tyson, and I really like the fact that he got a start. It shows, you know, that Darrell has that belief in him. Uh, the coaches have that belief in him. As a freshman coming in here, his name was called a lot, you know, leading up to the season. Uh, he had that touchdown last week. Um, but it kind of sucks seeing him get banged up a little bit. You hate to see that coming in early on his career. As for the as for the, t- uh, the fumble, well, that was tough because you could see that ball. You know, it, it was pretty clear, you know, once we saw a few of the sideline cams. Uh, and then, the you know, he got hit real hard, you know, in a, in a tough spot of the head. Was it the back of the head he got hit? You know, helmet to helmet, that should have been easy, especially after the targeting call that was called earlier in the game. That should have been, uh, you know, blatant, but it wasn't. And just the story of that whole CU day is just getting – uh, just getting kicked in the nuts, basically. How much more optimistic would this podcast be if they called that Fontenot score a touchdown? That could have completely changed the game. That would have been a completely – we would have been talking completely differently because the offense would have showed that it can put up more than 10 points uh, in a game. It, it would have restarted the whole game pretty much. You know, we're in the game. It, it would have been a completely different podcast. It wouldn't be, you know, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Mike Sanford and Clay Patterson are getting set to return to Minnesota where they were assistant coaches previously. Uh, you talked a little bit about the Gophers there, Jimmy. Th- this one could get ugly. Obviously, the Gophers shut out CU 30 to nothing in Boulder last year. Every CU fan remembers that that game. They've beaten New Mexico State in Western Illinois by a combined score of 100 to 10 to open the 2022 season. Again, lower competition, but they've taken care of business against that lower competition. Mentioned that they, they have a seasoned quarterback in Tanner Morgan. Ibrahim is back. He, he ruptured his Achilles in their opener last year, so he wasn't even going up against the Buffs when they traveled to Boulder last year. He's back, healthy. Four touchdowns early on. Trey Potts is another talented back there. They tied for fifth in in scoring defense last year, and they've obviously played well against lesser competition again through two games this year. I don't. It's hard to say this because I, I say this all all the time. You can't tell CU fans to be patient anymore. They've been patient enough for a very long time. They they deserve to see their team win, but it almost feels like. Going up against this solid program, not not a juggernaut, but a very solid Power Five program on the road. That this might just have to be a moral victory type of game. Yeah, if they can, you know, keep it within twenty, uh, that'll be a that'll be a big step in the right direction. I think uh, if we can get the offense going at all, I would love to see Sanford go in there and you know show them, hey, you know, you fired me, and this is you know that was a boo on you, but. It's just so hard to be any kind of optimistic for this offense, uh, especially going up against a good team, a solid team, like you said, in Minnesota. These guys, you have, they haven't played much. They had they struggled a little bit at the beginning of this last week, but it's it, they they come together and they make adjustments and they you know get done what needs to get done. Minnesota is going to be a tough place to play in. You know, the the Gophers they'll have that big ugly helmet with the gopher on it it it, it just be it'll be it'll be a long day (laughs) are you are you (laughs) anti-gopher i'm not anti well you know what i i will say i'm (laughs) anti-gopher okay (laughs) 
I uh, lived, I was born in Minneapolis and my first college football memories were actually uh, going to the, the old Metrodome, which obviously no longer exists. They've got a nice new stadium that I'm excited to go check out, but they, they weren't very good football games back in the day, but it was my first memory. So I kind of have fond memories. Uh, but, but it's funny uh, when I first played golf at a par three course as a little kid, there were little gopher holes that you'd like lose your ball into. So uh, it's at least an appropriate mascot for, for the region. I will say that much at least. Does Mike Sanford and, and Patterson, do they get to do uh, the, the pregame speech for this one? Win one for the Gipper. I mean, those guys are going to be pretty fired, fired up going back there. I'd imagine. I hope so. If, if I can get anything going for, you know, any reason for the CU to come together, I'm completely for it. I, if he can get this team fired up in any kind of way, start a spark in any kind of way for this offense, I am here for it. I will do whatever it takes. If, if I had to go out there and do like a front flip or something, I would do it. <laughs> this team needs some kind of spark. And if he can provide that with a, a pregame speech or something, I would, I would be overjoyed. Or Casey Roddick. I mean, yeah. based on the passion that he expressed uh, post-game after the Air Force game, uh, that, that's a voice you definitely yeah. want uh, ringing across that locker room before, during, and after a football game, it feels like. Yeah, he had his Tebow moment, and I, I sure hope you know it follows. Trevor Woods is expected to miss the first half of the Minnesota game after getting ejected for targeting. Brian Howell did point out there's a new rule this year that the Pac-12 office could request – a review from the national coordinator of officials, making it possible for Wiz to get clear to play in the first half at Minnesota. I don't know what the odds of that happening are. Watching the replay of that, to me, that does not look like targeting. I understand he kind of led with his helmet, but he was trying to go low. On no level did it seem like Trevor Woods was trying to target or have Anything that would be deemed illegal, but the Air Force player lowered his helmet, then creating the targeting situation. I, I just hate that call so much. It looked it looked like a football play. You know, you turn on a football game any given Saturday or Sunday, you're probably going to see something similar to that. I would hope that somehow it gets reviewed because that's a crazy punishment. You know, <laughs> a whole quarter, a whole a whole half of the game, and then the whole next game. I would understand. You know half of the next game if you want to get a whole game in but the whole game is insane punishment i don't really understand that i think that it was you know like a football hit you mentioned you're a junior at cu so your freshman year was 2020 right right at the heart of the pandemic yep so you've had a rough go at it and trying to get back to some semblance of normal does it feel like it's I guess you don't even wouldn't even know what to compare it to, uh, but but does it feel like you're a normal college student now walking around campus? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, as you know, my parents both went here. Uh, we grew up watching CU. I would hear about all these glory days and things like that, and I just wonder where that went. <laughs> you know, we went down to that Alamo Bowl the first year, uh, or in 2016 too, and my freshman year okay. we were in Texas, so they sent us home for the winter break. So I was like, when we were in Texas, might as well, you know, hit, make the trip down to San Antonio. And that was kind of fun until the game started and it wasn't as fun. Um, but, you know, I'm settling in and it, it's it's nice seeing football in a stadium. You know, that's really cool because, you know, I missed that that first year. But seeing Folsom Pact is, is a very fun experience. Seeing Ralphie run, that's a whole it's a whole part of the experience. And I'm glad I'm getting it now. But it, it, it's settling. 
the students have been awesome since they've been allowed back in. And maybe part of that is just kind of built up wanting to be social by not being able to get out and do things for a very long period of time, but they supported the football team really well last season. And then for the opener, I mean, the students were there early, they were loud, there was a delay, they stayed. And you know, I, I think when the frustration over the quarterback situation kind of set in in the second half, then, then finally they started to clear out with the, the rest of the general fans. But obviously the students, you guys deserve a better product, more entertaining product on the football field. What are those conversations like when you talk to your fellow students about the football program? It is very similar to the title of this podcast. <laughs> Here we go again. Um, I, this student body is very eager to see something productive on the field. These guys are, they want to go out and cheer. Like you said, it is, we've been cooped up, you know, for a long time. You know, my freshman year, we barely left the dorms for any, we, like, we didn't even have class. And I, I, didn't think, I don't think I have more than three classes, you know, in the first two semesters that were outside of a dorm. So going out and doing things that a college student normally would is very exciting to, you know, the student body. And they are putting together things like blackout games and gold rushes and things like that. They're pushing for elements of the game. Um, and it, they are starting to get a little tired. You know, I got roommates here. They're like, you know, I was very much pushing going to the Air Force game with everyone. And they were like, well, you know, this team kind of sucks. So I don't know where I want to go. And I was like, well, well, maybe there's something. It's just, it's hard getting that morale up, especially, you know, the way ticket prices was for this Air Force game. And it, it's cost money to come to these games. You know, the uh, it's a commitment and it's tough making these guys keep that commitment. You're not the voice of all CU students, but do you anticipate for the UCLA game that Though there will be again a pretty good student crowd there, like we've seen throughout last season and in the opener. I can't say it will be like the opener. There was a lot of energy going to that opener. We heard a lot of good things. And I know even things that we, you would think that maybe don't reach students, reach students, especially through, you know, Twitter and things like that. So they 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 understood the excitement. They heard good things about the football team. So now that we're kind of what we're seeing is not exactly what we heard. I can't expect the same kind of crowd, but I will expect a good large student body for at least half of the game. Like you mentioned, your parents went to see you, so they've told you all about the glory days. I'd imagine a lot of your classmates don't have that perspective at home, right? So do a lot of your fellow CU students just think this football program has been bad forever in their eyes? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all they've seen, you know? <laughs> um They've only seen the they only seen the struggle of the last few years, the last decade, I guess, last twenty years. They've only seen the last uh, twenty years of struggle. So I mean, there isn't really that uh, historical element. We see the nineteen ninety national championship, and a lot of people don't even know that that happened or any of the elements of what happened during that during that championship run. You know, you ask about you know who's Bill McCartney, and you know they, no one knows. So. so it's hard to keep that uh, historical part up to the up to the program when it's just been what it was the last few years. And the football players, they're students as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of negativity on social media right now, obviously on the message board as well. Again, that is justified. If you're passionate about CU and, and you've put money into it, whether it's season tickets or or even just your time commitment, it's draining watching this football team right now. And 
I totally understand the negativity, but how much of that do you think affects and gets into the locker room and, and affects this football team and, and these players? I think it's tough going back to that well of, okay, next week, next week. Cause you know, like I said earlier, it's draining as a fan to watch this. It's gotta be even more draining as a player. And I know these players are very connected uh, with each other. not even out like outside of CU. They, you know, they go to camps together growing up, they compete against each other and it's tough. They're going to be talking to one another. We saw it with the transfer portal, you know, things like that. They talk, you know, come here, come here, come here. Uh, and you're not going to hear a whole lot of good things out of CU, uh, just the way the program is going and the way the leadership is happening. It's tough getting that motivation to stay and to compete. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of reason. There are barriers in terms of academics bringing in transfers to CU. They don't have the recent success, so that makes it tough for them to sell recruits on coming to Boulder. But, Jimmy, you're a student at CU. I mean, Boulder has a lot to offer. Oh, gosh. I mean, it doesn't – I don't know if it's going to take a whole lot of success. It's going to take the right – staff and and I don't know at this point if the current staff is the, the staff to do this but there's still a lot to sell with CU football and it it almost seems like you'd have to try as hard as they have to to be this bad for as long as they have and not have a quarterback drafted since Coy Detmer it, it's almost like mm-hmm. the law of averages and I know 2016 was a great season but they haven't had back-to-back bowl seasons in a really long time it, it's just it's insane given a lot of what CU Boulder has to offer that the football success has been lacking as much as it has here in the last 20 years. There is so much to sell with Boulder. Like uh, you could sell Boulder as a city over anywhere in America. This is, this place is amazing. The the campus is amazing. The athletics is uh, they get like, they have very good facilities. The facilities are fantastic there. They're on par with anyone else and they have all the means to be, what should be a good football team, you know, a power team, uh, Colorado. It's not like it's some knockoff state, you know, this is, it's, it's right up there with, you know, the big ones, you know, it's not a uh, Kansas or like a Missouri or something like that. Um, this is an important state that people like, people like coming here. There's no reason the team should be bad. It's got to come down to the staff and, uh, the high, even above the staff, the higher ups, the regions, the athletic director, it's, it, it's, coming from the top down here. Yeah, I'm sure some CU fans would have enjoyed us basically dedicating the whole show to just discussing <laughs> job security of Carl Durrell and, and Rick George. And you know, again, that, that frustration is totally understandable, but we, were, we are only two games into the season. I, I still want to dedicate the bulk of our discussion, these podcasts to the football team and the games. I mean, we waited eight long months to get back to games and it's like, I at least want to talk about this while there, there's football being played, but uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the new CU president, Todd Solomon, how he responds to the football program and, and football related issues during his tenure. I don't know him. Uh, I have tried to get an interview request. I think he, his kind of opinion is that's Rick George's job to handle the media and questions about the football program. I, I do worry that maybe he's a guy that doesn't want to ruffle feathers because I think 
to make the changes that they need for this football program to be able to attract top level coaches and players. There, there's some changes that need to be made and that needs to be made from the very top. And I do wonder when, if ever it's going to happen in terms of a, a president, like we saw with Gordon Gee back in the heyday of really putting football in a position to have the resources from, uh, you know, being able to get the players into Boulder that they need to get into Boulder to be able to compete at a high level. And, and I, I do worry that maybe the new president is not going to be that guy. Um, and he just took over. So it's too early to say definitively, but, uh, that, that's the guy that really needs to put his foot down and make sure that this program is competing at a higher level than, than what it has, in my opinion. I agree. I don't know much about the new president. You know, he's not talked about a whole lot in circles I'm in. Um, but I, I would love to see someone really drive that this is going to be a football school. Because I feel like when there's a football school, there's a, just a whole aroma around campus that, you know, is a more positive environment. I mean, you, I, yeah, you, if you ask a college student, a uh, Colorado student right now, if you could have them go over the words of the fight song, I bet a bunch of them could not tell you. It's, it's just, it's a bad look for everyone. Um, when the football team that historically is good is not good and it hasn't been for a long time. So I, I wish I knew more about the new president, but I, I hope that he can make the changes that are needed. Jimmy, it was awesome having you on the podcast. Hopefully we can, uh, get you on the podcast here as uh, kind of a, a semi-regular contributor. It was a good chat with you and, and keep your head up. Uh, hopefully before you graduate, you, you have something to cheer about uh, in those games where uh, you're actually doing an internship with the sports information department too. So you're out there grinding, respect that a lot. Keep it going. Uh, are you good? You're going to go to some games as a fan or are you going to be having to work each one of them? We'll see. Um, looks like work is going to take in a, a lot of time. So, I mean, I'm definitely willing to be there and do what I need to do. Uh, my thought process is, you know, just work these games now so I can keep going to games later on. So, you know, as a reporter, as, you know, wherever I'll end up. I feel like these in-season podcasts have turned into more therapy set situations. It's like <laughs> it, once, once you talk about it, it, it makes you feel a little bit better. I don't know. I don't know how much better I feel though after this therapy session. <laughs> it's, it's always good to air your grievances. You know, I've heard bottling up emotions is bad, so <laughs> it's good to get them out. Awesome, Jimmy. Well, I know you got family in town, so I'm gonna let you get uh, to that. Uh, appreciate every CU fan for continuing to tune into these games, continuing to log on to BuffStampede.com, and continuing to listen to these podcasts. We appreciate you.